This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Your instructor is one of the finest pilots this program has ever produced. His exploits are legendary. What he has to teach you may very well mean the difference between life and death. Your reputation precedes you. I have to admit, I wasn't expecting an invitation back. They're called orders, Maverick. Armed with positive word of mouth and an A-plus cinema score, Paramount and Skydance's Top Gun Maverick has already earned more than $300 million in North America and more than $550 million worldwide. Joining us for this episode to talk about the making of the movie is director Joe Kaczynski. The sequel to the 1986 classic Top Gun, film stars Tom Cruise as Maverick, Jennifer Connelly as love interest Penny, Miles Teller as Goose's son and pilot Rooster, and Val Kilmer returns as Iceman. This is Kaczynski's second movie with Cruise. They first teamed on Oblivion. The director's credits also include Tron Legacy and Only the Brave. And The Hollywood Reporter recently reported that the director is set to helm an untitled Formula One racing-themed movie for Apple, starring Brad Pitt. I'm Carolyn Jardina. Welcome to The Hollywood Reporter's Behind the Screen. Joe, congratulations on the film, and thank you so much for joining us. It's great to be here. Thank you. What was your first recollection of Top Gun? When did you see the film for the first time, and what was your initial impression? I was, uh, I guess I was 12 years old, um, and uh, I saw it in my hometown movie theater, the Orpheum Theater, which is like a beautiful movie house built in the 40s. And uh, yeah, I mean, I think I remember it kind of being the 
the quintessential summer film, you know? Um, and I also remember, uh, obviously Maverick and the sunglasses and the motorcycle and the F-14s and the soundtrack played all summer long, but, um, it was, you know, it was also a really beautiful movie. Tony Scott, you know, shot it in a way that I think summer movies hadn't been shot before. So it was, uh, you know, it just, it made a huge impact that year. And, um, that was, you know, the kind of memory that stuck with me when uh, Jerry Bruckheimer reached out with, you know, with uh, an, a script for the new one. So the flying scenes were memorable in the first one and are a big part of this one as well. You reteamed with your uh, Oscar-winning cinematographer, Claudio Miranda. Um, would you talk about how you approached, um, in particular, the flying scenes? Yeah, well, you know, the first Top Gun sets the bar very high for aerial sequences, but where I thought we could innovate was by capturing uh, the interior footage, being inside with the pilot and capturing that experience for real. Um, And that was something I talked to Tom about from the very beginning. I had seen online these videos that Navy pilots were putting on YouTube of uh, footage from GoPros mounted to the canopy of their aircraft, you know, and they'd shoot like an over the shoulder shot of their training routes. And, um, it was better than any aerial sequence I had seen in a film because it was real. Um, so I showed that to Tom and said, you know, this is, this is out on the internet for free. I mean, if, if we can't beat this, there's no point in making this film, which he agreed. So, uh, Claudio and I had been testing a prototype of the Venice camera that Sony makes. And we had, we'd shot a test film with it and um, we were shooting a commercial with it, which for us is a great way to kind of test new equipment. And he told me that they were working on a prototype, a, a, a version of the Venice called the Rialto, which allowed you to split the lens from the recording uh, recorder on the body. So you essentially could take, this very high quality, you know, 6K camera that is certified by IMAX and you could break it into two pieces with a fiber optic cable that connects the two halves. Um, and you end up with a very small lens and sensor that, that can fit in very small spaces. And it seemed like that would be a great, uh, a great thing to try to adapt and see if we could fit a few of these into the cockpit. You know, initially I was hoping two or maybe three, Claudio sat with the Navy engineers and and went through the F-18 cockpit and pointed at every piece of equipment that was mounted in there and asked them if they needed it to fly. And whenever they said no, we asked them if they could pull it out. Uh, And it was surprising how much stuff they were able to pull out, actually, and and create a lot of space so that we, uh, and it's like a Tetris game, we figured out how to fit six of these Venice cameras in the cockpit, um, four cameras facing the actor, a close-up angle centered, a, a like a very wide angle, which is the one that kind of gives you the most sensation of space and speed, and then one on each side shooting over their shoulder looking backwards. And then we were able to mount two additional cameras pointing forward over the Top Gun pilot, the actual aviator who's flying the plane over their shoulder giving us six angles in the cockpit. Um, 
And so that is, you know, gave us a, a lot of footage um, for these sequences. Uh, the idea was to, to really give the audience the experience of what it's like to be a, a Top Gun pilot. And when you're capturing it for real, not only does the image look better because you're getting all that dynamic light and movement and reflection off the canopy and the speed, you know, when you're, when you're passing by things, but just as important, you're getting all the forces on the pilot's body from flying these things. And, uh, and, and so I, I knew we could get Tom in there. Um, but the, the real challenge was, could we all get all the other actors in there as well? And, and we did. Um, so, you know, most of what you see in the film was captured for real, which is, you know, for me is, was, was the goal and is really exciting because you just can't fake what, what we were able to get. For context for our listeners, the, in the original, they actually shot the actors on a gimbal for those sequences. Yeah. On a gimbal at Burbank airport. Um, uh, but the ground to air and, and air to air stuff in the, in the first movie was, is still spectacular. Um, and definitely gave us something to shoot for. It's important to give Claudio and his camera team credit for figuring out this camera system. I mean, that was a 15-month development process to figure out how to, you know, these basically taking a, a prototype system and, and integrating it into a $80 million military aircraft and making it uh, capable of withstanding, you know, 7Gs of force and you know, 35,000 feet of altitude and had to be uh, clear for an ejection um, and safe for the pilots. Like getting that through the naval engineers and lawyers and, and making it all easy to operate for the actors so that they would essentially just have to hit one switch to turn the whole thing on and off and, and to get all that, those six streams of footage simultaneously. Like that, that was a massive engineering technical project and, and required a, you know, a lot of people working really hard and we had to manufacture our own parts. We were, you know, we had a camera assistant who had a 3d printer in his bathroom in his hotel and he was printing out parts at night um, so that we could shoot the next day. You know, that's just the, the amount of innovation that we had to do on the fly to figure out how to get this stuff was, was impressive. And I just, you know, it's important that, you know, all those uh, people that worked on it, uh, obviously, you know, everyone who worked on the film gets credit for really innovating and, and, you know, trying to do something that hadn't been done before. Let's talk about how you filmed the actors. Um, I believe the actors took some flying lessons and then yep. they went up with the Top Gun pilots. Would you elaborate? Yeah. So this is where Tom's experience really came in handy because, you know, after he made Top Gun, he, he got his pilot's license um, and flies aerobatics. So, has a lot of experience flying and knows that you can't just jump in one of these military jets and uh, be able to do your scenes because um, the forces on the body and everything would, would just make you sick. Um, so he devised a three-month course that took each of the actors from a, a Cessna, which is like a very slow training plane, to a extra 300, which is an aerobatic plane, and then to an L-39 small military jet and worked their way up to the F-18 Super Hornet. Now, before they could get into the Super Hornet, they had to go through Navy underwater escape training 
in case the plane landed in the water, which is pretty intense. Uh, so they all had to pass that, which is a pretty intense swimming uh, exercise. And then they were allowed to actually get in the back seat of the F-18. Um, and they were flown by real naval aviators and, and some Top Gun pilots. And they all managed to, you know, do everything we needed in the jets for real, which was very difficult despite the training. But they all powered through it and and helped us get this this footage. And where were you shooting for that that last uh, climatic sequence? The final sequence was the the snowy mountain sequence was in the Cascades in Washington State, and we were flying out of Whidbey Island Naval Air Station, which is right on the coast there. Uh, so the Navy has low level training routes through the Cascades. And we shot that, uh, in the winter of 2019 when they would fly to the routes, you know, I think they would be at like five or 10,000 feet. But, uh, when they were shooting the sequences for the movie where, you know, it was all about flying in at low level, I think they were closer to a hundred feet above the ground, which was giving them giving us that sensation of, of speed that we needed. And um, were there also cameras mounted on the wings or on the exteriors? I'm sure there were. Yeah. We also had exterior mount cameras, both on the belly and on the back, looking back um, between the two tail fins. So those sequences were shot separately from the interior cameras. So we had external mount jets flying and uh, internal mount. Uh, jets. So we kind of split that up, but yeah, we had in addition, you know, ground to air units, air to air units, you know, jet to jet, heli to jet. We had cameras everywhere trying to, you know, capture all the coverage we needed to tell the story. Did you record sound when they were in the air? Yes. We recorded uh, dialogue and, um, and then obviously we had external microphones uh, on the carrier and on the bases for flybys, startups, and, you know, all the, all the jet sounds. And did you get to go up? <laughs> I did not get to go on an F-18 because I didn't, you know, I would have had to go through all the same training they did. And I was busy trying to figure out how to make the film. But um, I did get flown, you know, Tom would fly me to work some days in his jet, which was uh, fun. You know, he'd, he'd pull a couple Gs, you know, <laughs> uh, taking me to, to back and forth to set. So that was fun. That was no doubt the most challenging aspect of the shoot, but um, do you want to pick another aspect of the shoot that was particularly challenging for you? I mean, it's all challenging. You know, there's nothing easy on a movie like this. Uh, one other sequence, though, that people might not think is challenging was the sailing sequence where Penny Benjamin takes Maverick out for a little sail in a, in a very fast sailboat. We actually tried to shoot that scene twice and failed uh, off the coast of San Diego because we just couldn't get enough wind to make it feel fast. So we ended up relocating to San Francisco in the bay there and um, shot that sequence. And uh, Jen had to take some sailing lessons to to be to prepare herself to to at least look like she knows what she's doing in that sequence. Um, but that's that's all in camera. That's really Jen and Tom on a sailing boat and. I'm on a boat next to it with a with a big arm capturing it. You know, Claudio and I are kind of holding on for dear life, trying to keep up with them. Um, 
in some pretty choppy waters and, and high winds. But uh, it was fun once we figured it out. But it was just one of those sequences where if you don't have wind, you can't shoot the scene. So it's, um, you know, one of those things you just don't have control over. It's all about, you know, being in the right place at the right time. Would you talk about shooting the very emotional scene with uh, Val Kilmer? Yeah, I mean, that's one of the, you know, one of those memories I'll, I'll never forget where you've got, you know, this actor in Val, someone who I've admired through his whole career and, and having him play one of his most iconic characters, reuniting with Tom's, one of Tom's most iconic characters on screen for the first time in 36 years. And uh, just to see how much respect they had for each other as actors um, and, and to see a friendship that, you know, has evolved over 36 years. And uh, it really mirrored, I think, what you see on screen in the, in the scene. And, you know, they're just two actors at the top of their game doing this really, you know, beautiful scene for the film that's so important. And uh, it was a very, you know, it's just a very emotional day on set and um, just, you know, can't wait for people to see it, um, you know, because it's not often you get to do a scene with that much kind of emotional weight in a summer tentpole film. What moment during that shoot do you most remember um, as far as, you know, a specific exchange between the two of them? You know, it's for me, my, my favorite part of that scene is the button at the end where they're kind of that, that sense of competition is always there despite them being friends. You know, there's still that one-upmanship that exists between, I think, all these pilots. And I also think is with, between Tom and Val, I think that was, that competition is what kind of made their relationship in the first film feel so electric and real is that there was a bit of a rivalry there as young actors. So just that moment at the end, that hug and that, 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 you know, bit of humor to me is, is kind of what really makes the scene uh, work. Sadly, Val has obviously been um, through throat cancer. Um, I would imagine that this involves some sort of work on his voice. Yeah. So for that scene, you know, Val and Tom performed the scene and then we, and, you know, we enhanced Val's uh, voice by blending it with uh, another one to make sure that it was as mostly for clarity more than anything else. I also noticed some nods to the original, for example, um, in a scene when uh, Maverick first comes into Top Gun to instruct. It, it seemed like you used the um, very similar to when Kelly came in in the original yeah, I mean, there's there are moments that are so iconic uh, in stylistically that really define what makes something feel like a Top Gun movie. And you know, I like the idea of taking you know, just as Maverick goes back to Top Gun, we're taking the audience back to Top Gun. So certainly, there are those moments where there is a subtle stylistic nod, um, but also I just like the the parallel of, you know, history repeating itself in a way, you know, where Maverick was one of those students in the first film when this, you know, teacher is introduced that he's never seen before and mirroring that style, it, you know, there's a nice punchline to it in our film because the reveal is that it's the guy that, you know, some of the pilots had thrown out of the bar the night before. Um, so it seemed to kind of suit the the turn of the scene at that moment. 
Another nod to the original is the football scene on the beach, uh, reminiscent of the volleyball scene. Uh, do you want to elaborate on the choice to put that in the movie? Yeah, well, that was one of those scenes where when I was prepping the movie, it was the thing that I got asked most about was, is there going to be a volleyball scene? Which, <laughs> you know, uh, which, you know, kind of surprised me that that was the number one question slash request for the film. So the the challenge was, okay, so if we're going to do a beach scene, we got to work it into the narrative of our story. It can't, we're not just going to do one to do it. Um, and our screenwriting team figured out, I think, a smart way to integrate that scene into the Mavericks training. There is a reason uh, that he goes out there. Um, and this notion of dogfight football offense and defense at the same time is a nice um, foreshadowing of, of what we're going to see in the third act. So, you know, once we had the kind of, once it was, you know, clear that we were able to kind of push the story forward and, and continue the narrative, then it was a matter of, you know, just having fun and, and being able to shoot a beat scene for Top Gun and just making the best version of it that I could, you know, to try to deliver what people were, um, asking for. Uh, and, you know, obviously got to give a lot of credit to, our cast who worked very hard to prepare themselves for that scene. The music in the first one obviously uh, is incredibly memorable. Would you talk about the music on the film from the new song from Lady Gaga, as well as uh, pieces from the original that you used? Yeah. Well, you know, there's some themes and melodies from the original that were important to keep, you know, obviously danger zone is, is an important part of the Top Gun aesthetic. Um, we used, you know, we have the song at the opening as well as Hans used the ta the Danger Zone melody, those kind of five notes in the score as well in, in some key places. So you're, you're feeling Danger Zone even if you're not hearing the Kenny Loggins version throughout. Same goes for the love theme, which Hans was inspired by hearing Lady Gaga's song that she wrote for us. He loved the melody so much, he, he incorporated it into the love theme for the film. So you will hear, you know, Gaga's melody uh, throughout the film uh, before you actually hear the, the song in its entirety. Um, so at the same time, we also have some important themes from Harold Faltermeyer's score in the first film. Uh, and in fact, we have a couple Faltermeyer song, songs that are basically untouched from the first one at key moments. And then you've got Lauren Balf as well, working uh, with the team and contributing some score. So it's uh, interesting that I've, you know I've never had a team of four, but it's like you you know it's a it's a dream team of composers here working together to create something that you know works for the film, and and we managed to solve you know what we needed to solve. Uh, with the combination of all four of them. And I, I just think they did an incredible job. With the music as well as the sound, which was incredible. Um, it sounds like it was a very complicated mix. Very. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the, again, the first film sets the bar so high. It was like the, the demo disc for people's home theater for decades. Um, and it's just because the sound of those jets or the, the mix from the first film is so punchy and powerful and, and realistic. So, um, you know, the mix for this film really was a year 
I would say in, in the making from, you know, assembling the film, we had a pretty sophisticated mix, even in the avid that Eddie Hamilton was able to construct, uh, and served as the basis, um, a starting point. But, um, you know, it evolved. We did uh, some previews and with each preview we, we would enhance and refine the mix, um, until we got to summer of 2020 when the world shut down and all of a sudden there were no mixed stages or the mixed stage that we were um, in team we were planning on using out of Skywalker went into lockdown. So we found a stage in the UK that would, that would open up for us and we were able to finish the, the final in the UK in uh in the summer of 2020 when when everything was locked down so we were still able to finish the film when we hoped to but you know like everything then it was it was done uh you know spread across the world and the same went for visual effects you know everything was finished remotely in that um summer of 2020 which was pretty intense to you know finish all the visual effects basically out of my house during those months yeah, since as we said earlier, you uh, you aim to do as much as you could in camera. So, would you talk a little bit about the key challenges from a visual effects standpoint? Yeah, well, certainly we were able to capture most of the movie in camera, but there are certain things in the film that you can't do practically. You're not going to destroy jets. You're not going to crash airplanes. Of course, you're not going to do anything that compromises the safety of any actor. There are certain airplanes that fly in the film that do not exist. And do not fly anymore. Um, so those tor- those are the types of things that we use visual effects for. But because we're capturing, at least, you know, ninety percent of the image in camera, even in those scenes, it allows us to, you know, blend in things in a way that feels seamless to an audience. So you don't, you're not noticed. You know, you don't know the difference between something that's one hundred percent real and something that's ninety percent real. You mentioned some aircraft that aren't used anymore. Um, I would imagine that was a pretty extensive process, just researching. We were able to get a real F-14 from a museum in Southern California um, for all the work on the ground. But obviously, once it flies, um, that's something where uh, you have to use visual effects. Now, we shot another jet in its place so that the movement and the lighting and the... uh, even the pilots, like we can use a lot of it. It's just kind of replacing the the the, exi- the existing jet with the F-14 is the is the CGI process. Um, but um, using that technique, it, it looks you know basically photoreal. Now I saw the movie in Dolby Atmos and Dolby Vision, but um, would you just elaborate on the number of versions that you have available to viewers? Yeah, so we uh, I, I hopefully I can do all of them. Obviously, you have the standard version in two four zero aspect ratio. You've got Dolby Cinema, which is Dolby Vision plus Dolby Atmos. You've got IMAX, which has uh, about almost an hour of material in the expanded vertical format. You've got Screen X, which is the three screen system where you've got side panel. Uh, the wall, you know, the walls of the theater um, become screens for an hour of the movie as well. And we were able to use those side cameras that were in the cockpit to fill out the side views with real footage, which I think is a first for ScreenX. 
Um, and then we've got 4DX, which is the the moving seats, you know, smoke, rain, wind, snow, smells in that version, um, which is pretty cool. And then I think there is in a few theaters a 4DX Screen X combo where you get the three screens and the moving seats, um, which is, you know, basically an amusement park ride. So I think that's all the versions uh, that we have for, for Top Gun. Would you talk about collaborating with Tom Cruise on this? Yeah, I mean, Tom, you know, this is my second film with Tom. So I knew, I knew what I was getting into in that he's, you know, it's not, he's not just an actor in your film. Um, obviously, he's a producer on this, but it's, it's really a, a partnership. He's um, involved with every aspect of the filmmaking and, and that collaboration is what he really feeds off of and, and enjoys. Um, and, uh, and for me, it's, it's, it's just great to have someone who's so motivated and, you know, has made 50 films, uh, many of them with my heroes in terms of other directors. So, um, there's always something to learn from him or, or a story that, you know, is, uh, you know, great for, um, figuring out how to, how to do something. Um, yeah. And he's just got this energy that is infectious. You know, everyone on the crew is kind of feeds off that and everyone's inspired to kind of do their best work. Um, which obviously we do anyway, but you know, this being Top Gun, you know, we just, we all knew the bar was high and, and just wanted to make something really special. So, uh, you know, that's why we, you know, you can see there's a lot of care put into from every department on this film to, to deliver the, the best film we could. Now, is this the end of Maverick's journey or do you think we'll see more? It's, I don't know. Um, I don't think you'll see more soon. I mean, this one took 36 years. Um, sure. So, uh, you know, we did stuff in this film that I don't know if anyone will ever do again. I mean, this is just a really unique, special circumstance where you know, the, we partnered with the Navy and got to do things that even they don't do, um, normally. So there's a sequence in the middle of the film where Maverick flies the course to, to prove the mission can be done. And, um, typically the Navy, uh, sets a, um, a altitude limit of 200 feet, a hard deck of 200 feet for low level training. And you have to be specially qualified to, to even approach that level for that sequence. We got extra special permission to fly under 50 feet, which is when you see that sequence, you, you feel it that, you know, Tom's going 500 miles an hour, 50 feet up, uh, above the ground in a tight Canyon. And, um, that's something that I just don't think you'll ever see again. Do you want to elaborate a little bit on the collaboration with the Navy? Yeah. I mean, obviously we couldn't have made this film without the, collaboration. It started from the very beginning. I mean, my first, the first thing I did after meeting with Tom and Jerry and, and kicking off the project was to go out to the Teddy Roosevelt, um, aircraft carrier and just embed with these men and women out there and start to figure out how to tell this story. Um, the Navy was really helpful in kind of putting the whole mission together. Uh, that is the film. I asked them, Eric Singer and I sat down with them and, and asked them, what is the hardest, scariest, gnarliest mission that you could ever imagine ever having to do in the Navy? And, and they kind of walked out this 
mission that you see in the film, you know, this low level ingress into a canyon protected by SAM missiles, um, GPS jammed so that you have to use, you know, a laser guided bomb to, to hit the target. All that was kind of hatched with them. The one thing they added, they said that would make it even harder would be to do, to do the whole thing at night, which obviously from a cinema point of view, wouldn't be as interesting to watch as, as what we did. So I, I put it as a dawn raid instead. Um, but yeah, that they were, you know, they're involved in the, in, in the conception and the ideas and the execution. It was top gun pilots flying our actors in these planes, um, doing real world tactics. Uh, and they gave us access to all their bases, including some places that are so secret, no one's ever seen them before, um, on camera. So it was a really, really amazing collaboration with them. And I, I was just so impressed with their professionalism and dedication and skill every step along the way. Tom's obviously a pilot. How about the rest of the crew? Did they embrace this challenge? They did. I mean, they, they did the three months of pilot training. They did the, the, the swimming training, and then they just had to endure the shooting, which was really, really difficult. You know, it's like, imagine being like in the backseat of a jet with, you know, four cameras in front of you. So you can't really see forward and, you know, pulling seven and a half G's and, 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 and being in the hot sun and, and having to act and know your lines. And, you know, it was really difficult for them. A lot of them got sick, but they would just continue shooting. Um, cause, cause, you know, they knew we were getting something really unique. So, um, I can't give them enough credit for sticking with it and really working hard to, you know, do what Tom was doing. Um, and, uh, in, in, help tell this story in the most authentic way possible. Well, congratulations on the film and um, thank you so much. It was great to talk with you again and, and hear about your experiences. Thank you. It's great talking with you. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.